For everything Buccaneers, it, 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 it's Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. Now, now, here's your hosts, Casey Hudson and Kaylee Mizell. What's going on, football fans? Welcome to Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns, an Odyssey original podcast that brings you all Tampa Bay Bucks insight and entertainment multiple times a week. So be sure to conveniently download that Odyssey app, search Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns, hit that auto download button so that you can be up to date on all brand new episodes revolving around your favorite team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and share it with friends, family, other football fans, or of course, other Bucks fans. And guys, you can also stream Jolly Rogers and touchdowns on any of your favorite streaming platforms. I am Casey Hudson, joined by a guest co-host today, Jeff Antonella. See, I almost butchered your name still, and I think I did. (laughs) Sailing into a new episode. Good morning, Jeff. How's it going? Correct me if I butchered that, as I probably did. You put the N. Everyone always oh. puts the A. Everyone always Etinella. puts the N after the Etinella, A. Right? Etinella. But you did such a good job with that open that I honestly I can't blame you for <laughs> you know butchering the name a little bit. But yeah, it's Atinella. But thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on playoff week, baby. I love it. I know. And I wonder, so of course you're a great person to ask about this because the Bucks have had such a unique season. Um, such a unique season your perspective of the emotional roller coaster that has been the Bucks from the performances they put up week one and two to the performances week 10, 11, 12, 13 to now we are actually in playoffs. You know, to be honest, it's one of those things where as a fan, it's just been so up and down that it kind of reminds me of what it was like before Tom Brady got here in the first place, except this time we actually made the playoffs when normally it's, it ends with a down, right? <laughs> But yeah. you're kind of like if you're a lifelong Bucks fan, you're kind of used to that inconsistency and just kind of really never knowing what you're going to get from week to week. So as a Bucks fan, it's kind of felt relatively back to normal the way things were before TB12 showed up. Yeah, Dang. exactly. That's a good point. We've actually had to make people walk the plank here because fans have gotten so spoiled and used to Tom Brady. But the biggest difference is the season would typically be over by now and we would be moving on fully to NBA or NHL in my case. So that is a great point. Uh, guys, on some updates, when it comes to the team, first and foremost, you guys know, Todd Bowles spoke this week. Byron Leffert spoke this week. Uh, a lot of interesting information came out, starting with the fact that Todd Bowles said that they are a completely different team. This is a different team heading into Wild Card Weekend to host the Cowboys. Do you think this team is different? Do you think that's a bold statement to make? I think that the the question is different from what? Are they completely turning the page on the season and then all of a sudden they're going to snap their fingers and find that consistency that we've kind of been looking for? You know, I've heard all these fan theories of, you know, maybe they're hiding the playbook. They haven't really busted out the real playbook. They've just been doing it all year to psych all these teams out. So different in what regard I'm curious about, but as a player and someone that's been in the locker room, I understand that when the playoffs come and you have guys that have won Super Bowls and you have guys that understand what it takes to be in the playoff, that there's a flip that you can switch. Whether or not it's too late to kind of flip that switch this late in the season, we'll find out. But you know, anytime he says something's different and the season's been kind of rocky and up and down, um, you got to take a little bit of confidence from that and just a little bit of hope, right? Yeah, I would definitely hope so because fans are now hopeful and the betting lines are changing, not revolving around Bull's statement, obviously, but just that confidence and obviously the semantics that play into the injury report and everything else. So as we talked last time here on Jolly Rogers and touchdowns, Bucks fans, there wasn't much of an injury report update. The good news Well, no news is sometimes good news. We saw that Russell Gage had a little bit of a back 
uh, issue when he caught the pass in the touch or in the red zone. And um, there's some things being hinted at the possible return of Ryan Jensen. Now, as an athlete, you guys, you probably know more than anyone what it's like to work through certain injuries, have that mentality that you want to show up for your team, kind of really pushing aside what that pain actually feels like to show up and kind of contribute. What do you think could be the chances that we would see Ryan Jensen? Um, Byron Leftwich was asked about it, and all he said was, you got to ask Coach Bowles about it, basically implying he's not going to be the spoiler is how I took that. <laughs> I think that it's something where if the coaches are playing a little bit coy, right, if he's coming back and they don't want people to know that he's coming back. But at the same time, it could be something where his presence, whether he makes the roster, maybe he gets in for a couple snaps. He's been working really hard to you know, recover from this injury. And if he is healthy enough to play, I'd highly doubt it's going to be something where he steps in and starts right away and you're going to see him, you know, kind of making the same exact plays that he was making before he got injured. But for me, it's something that if he's able to suit up, you know, if people are able to get some type of morale boost underneath their wings for that, and it's something that, you know, they could kind of rally behind, I think that would be a huge step in the right direction because you're talking about a guy who hasn't played, you know, professional football in over a year. So to think he's going to step in and solve all the Bucks problems, I think is very unrealistic. But if he's able to put the jersey on and get in for a couple of plays, I think that, that could be something that could provide one of those big, you know, morale boosting things that the team kind of needs right now. I actually love that you use that as an example. And um, my producer's going to kill me here because, of course, it takes me to hockey uh, because it makes me think of some of the injuries that took place with the Bolts. And then you all of a sudden get, you know, Stammer on the bench and it just raises the momentum and the morale for this team. They're playing for a guy that means so much to the team. And Brian Jensen, or as I like to call him, Big Red, means so much to this team. And so even though he's been on the sidelines and stuff, I think suiting up could probably be a whole nother mental switch for these guys. So looking forward to seeing what that turns out to be always comes back to hockey. <laughs> Everyone knows where my head's at and it's almost full throttle hockey season for me guys. So bear with me, um, Jeff, we're going to have some fun before we get into week one versus wild card. I was talking to you and our producer James moments before we got this show going and um Bucks fans. I don't know what's going on. Daddy Yankee has become a new Bucks fan, maybe? I don't know. He showed up to the last home game. There was this whole video recording of him in the tunnel, walking the field, of course, goat versus goat in the music community versus the athletic community. And then you kind of thought that that was cool. That was it. We only saw David Beckham once last year. Well, yesterday in indoor practice, Daddy Yankee decides he wants to come back and hang out with the Bucks a little bit more. Jeff, is this an odd celebrity sighting, or what do you think, as an athlete, is there a particular celebrity that you would have wanted to show up to practice or that would have been, like, a random uh, supporter of your team? Well, I think that it's it's weird in that the timing of it. Like, if you were going to be someone that jumped on the on the Bucks bandwagon, I wouldn't have thought that this was the year, and especially, like, this time of the year, this was like, all right, <laughs> you know what I mean? They barely made the playoffs. <laughs> They won the NFC South, but they barely made the playoffs. No one's really sure how they're going to do in the playoffs. So, like, this is the time that I'm going to really, like, jump in on the Bucks bandwagon. So, I think the timing of it is a little bit weird. Yeah. But in terms of in terms of a celebrity that would show up, I mean, any any celebrity that would come would be pretty cool. Like, you're talking about, like, if a Drake randomly walked into practice or, you know, whoever you're listening to on the headphones at any given moment. You know, I've been listening to a lot of Jack Harlow. So if he just like randomly strolled into practice, that would be something that's pretty cool. But anytime that anybody with any type of status showed up and invested some time in watching you practice and, you know, took the time to kind of hang out with you and, and talk to you and visit the locker room and all that is always cool because it, it kind of switches up the normal routines of practice. And, you know, it's cool to know that somebody's actually interested in what you're doing. 
I know. Well, like you said, especially at this time of the season, I would love to pick Daddy Yankee's brain as to why now and how. <laughs> but um, another thing that came to mind when thinking of this and why I find this so comedic also is I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you hear what the guys listen to on certain playlists. You know, they only allow them to play music before practice for a little bit. And then if they win a game, they'll play in the locker room for just a hot second as well. I've never heard Daddy Yankee or anything close to, to Daddy Yankee. So I'm wondering who's the Super Yankee fan over there. I, I really just think he might have just showed up and people are like, yeah, I guess we'll let him hang out, let him stick around. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. That is a random one, though. Maybe he has a concert here coming up or something, or who knows. Oh, yeah. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Probably worth looking up, that's for sure. If I had to pick a celebrity that I'd want to slide through practice, um, let me see. This is where it's awful being a woman because you just love everybody, apparently. I don't. Uh, I'm more of a, a, a classic rock and roll gal, so I would, I would love to... But half of them are, like, passed on by now. This would be a tough one for me. This would be a tough one. I probably have to think on it. As a maybe Motley Crue to play Maybe Motley Crue to play that lightning open that you probably like. There you go. Still incorporating <laughs> hockey with football because I always find a way to bring it back to that. Or a, an ACDC cover band um, can, can come and get me motivated on the field. So that would be interesting. I wonder what Daddy Yankee's doing here. I wonder if he'll be at Monday night's football game. Either way, if you guys haven't caught that content, head over to Bucks.com to see him and the goats shaking hands, signing jerseys, and having whatever conversation they're having. And uh, jokingly enough, we were wondering why he's here if he lives in Miami. Is there still a future conversation for Tom Brady in Miami? I think not. I think that if Tom Brady doesn't stay with the Bucks, he's going to the 49ers. He wants to go back to California, sweet, sweet California. They made so much stink of what that game meant to him versus the 49ers. And I know it's because family was in the stands, but it felt like a little bit more was on the line to me. That'll be interesting. I'm not ready to talk about Tom Brady leaving Tampa <laughs> just yet. We already kind of went through that last year and had to deal with all the, you know, who's going to be the quarterback, all that conversation. And, you know, fortunately, we got a lot of guys to re-sign when he came back because I think that we would have been uh, having a very different, not fun conversation, probably talking mock drafts right now if he hadn't. So I'm not ready to debate that yet. But if Daddy Yankee's out here recruiting for Miami, then we he can't be at practice. We got to get him. We got to figure out if he has some motives that, you know, we don't really know about. Maybe he was sent as a spy. These are things that we got to just dig into in the offseason, because if this comes out, this would be big breaking news for this podcast. Exactly. No stone unturned. You got to look at everybody a little sideways these days. He could be the ultimate negotiator to get Tom Brady down in Miami. And that would be terrible news for us to find out later on. But you are right. The emotional roller coaster of last year, what if and uh, who are we without Tom Brady was terrible. And if there's one thing you'll learn about me, Jeff, I am not on the Trask train. We will get into that a whole nother time. But uh, I think it's time for us to swing over to week one versus wild card. Now, week one. Bucks got off to a nice little start, uh, only put up 19 points, but held the Cowboys to three. And there's so many different opinions on comparing a week one team to the playoff team now, the injuries that have played a role along the line, and the fact that these are now two completely different teams, which is a statement that I'm not so sold on. Uh, what do you think of week one? What kind of tone did that set for you as a Bucks fan or, you know, just watching this team for so long? See, I would argue that they are two different teams, but when you're talking about the Cowboys, I kind of think that they've regressed back to where they were in week one. You know, I felt like in the middle of their season, they were climbing, they were peaking, they looked like the best team in football. 
But if you go back to week one, they looked a little bit lost. Dak didn't look like he was comfortable. I mean, their defense was good, but it wasn't lights out. We were running all over them. And, you know, I think that Dallas has kind of gone back in that direction, whereas then during the middle of the season, they were pretty much one of the best teams in football. And people were talking, seriously talking about them winning the Super Bowl. And then with the Bucs, it, it, this year, you just don't know what you're going to get from them week in and week out. Like, I really hope that the – like, week one, they look like the team that was going to win the Super Bowl. They looked like the team that everybody thought they were going to look like they were dominant. You know, the offense moved the ball. They ended up kicking a bunch of field goals. They didn't get the touchdowns, but they were moving the ball. They looked dominant. And that was a team that I think everybody was expecting the Bucks to be the entire season. Mm-hmm. And we hadn't seen that really since week one. So it's very hard. You know, the Bucks just inconsistency. Hopefully they could piece the whole game together and put another full performance up against the Cowboys. But I'm taking a little bit of hope in the fact that I think the Cowboys have gone in the wrong direction and they're not really playing their best football and Dak isn't seeing the field too well right now. So I really don't compare the two. But at the same time, like I have a lot of faith in the Dallas Cowboys choking in the playoffs and the Bucks <laughs> having playoff experience and that kind of being the thing that carries us through the game. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you painted that picture of the of the Cowboys somewhat digressing because the only reason I I was hesitant to love that statement is because of different players that have started to showcase uh, skills that can be contributed to either of their teams winning. So facing off week one, you know, we didn't really see too much of Tony Pollard, but then again, you know, this Bucks defense eliminated their run game. Elliott had 52 rushing yards. Pollard had eight rushing yards. Um, but he was a key guy who started helping this team pull through major games or he was putting up more uh, rushing yards than Elliott was. I look at that in comparison to, and I said this last night on BetMGM tonight, I look at Elliott as Fournette and I look at Pollard as Rashad White. How much more of a role do you think this team will trust Rashad White to have? And could that be a sneaky weapon against the Cowboys? Because all they saw was Fournette charging, you know, running the ball down their throats. and it was week one. They weren't trusting a rookie to have that many reps on the field. So Rashad White didn't have much of an opportunity. He came to life in that Seahawks game over in Munich, and now he has a role on this team. Could he be something that the Bucks could use to their advantage on Monday? Yeah, I mean, I would hope so, and I would think so. I think him catching the ball out of the backfield and just anything to do that happens quick, like these quick passes, these quick little pitches, things like that, you know, I think that he's become a weapon and an asset to the Bucks all year. But like I said, it's playoff time, and playoff time, you have a rookie. And, and Leonard Fournette's always consistently showed up for the Bucks in the playoffs. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, playoff Lenny kind of come back and take over the backfield and Tom Brady really trusting him because he's a vet that he's been with for a long time. But, you know, you got to hope that they're using their weapons. You talk about Rashad White. I'm going to talk about Kate Otten. I'm going to talk about the guys that, you know what I mean, that don't get a lot of, that don't get a ton of reps, but they've been serious weapons for the Bucks this season. And you kind of hope that, you know, come playoff time, they're going to still use them. Lean on the veterans because I think veteran experience carries you a lot in the playoffs. But at the same time, use these weapons that you have because Rashad White is a weapon and he's a big change of pace guy for us. All right, so let's get into my biggest fear. (laughs) This is my biggest fear when talking about this team. You said the name that is so sweet to my ears, Kate Otten. We saw Kate Otten come to life in multiple games, but the turning point for me was that Falcons game where he had like two or three bullet passes from Tom Brady. He showed that he can help make plays in the middle of the field, which is a spot that's lacked this season, obviously, without Gronkowski and healthy wide receivers. 
in that, do you think what's been up with this team not trusting these guys after they've proven themselves? It took a while for them to start utilizing Rashad White. Kate Otten, they still seem iffy about. If I make one more Kate Otten bet for like over 22 receiving yards and they cap him at 18, I am going to lose my mind, Jeff. I'm going to lose my mind. What does it take for them to finally trust these guys and utilize them in the way that they can benefit the team? What's the definition of insanity? Isn't it trying to do the same? Over and over and over again. <laughs> Come on. And guys, I'm not discounting the fact, yes, Kate Otten has had some pretty bad drops, but he's a rookie for crying out loud. But the more reps he gets, he's going to be fine. He's made some impressive catches. He's done more impressive stuff than disappointing stuff. But, yes, this team, this coaching staff, insane. I don't uh, – to be honest, I don't – you know, I think if we had the answers to that, we'd be i don't even know because i think that that's been that those have been the questions that we've been asking as fans all year where are these guys they have good games they put on good performances and a lot of times they help the team win in crunch time and then you don't see them again yep. and it's kind of like it's kind of one of those things where if you're a player you're wondering what do i have to do to get consistent playing time to get in some type of rhythm but i don't know i mean i i truly don't know and that's been one of the things that makes you this year as a bucks fan I talked about enjoying being a Bucks fan because we don't always make the playoffs and you're used to being pretty irrelevant. We've been anything but irrelevant over the last three years. But if you're a Bucks fan this year, I think that you have full, you're allowed to bang your head against the wall wondering why guys perform really well and then don't get playing time the next week and the team doesn't look good. It's yeah. very frustrating. It's very frustrating. I don't have the answers. I don't know. <laughs> it's very frustrating. At least that, at least you made me feel like my fear is not irrational. And that's probably what I'm holding my breath for heading into Monday. Um, but something else that came to mind when it comes to this week one versus wild card week that I'm hoping is a positive for this Bucks team is that going back and taking a look at the fact that Chris Godwin was just returning from a significant injury, obviously. It was told that they were going to limit his reps, but he ended up going out early with that hamstring hiccup. Then Julio Jones starts doing great things on the field, and then he goes out early. And then you've got Donovan Smith that went out early. So there was about three or four significant injuries that uh, played into this team, even though they still won. Maybe it played into their role of not being able to put up that many more points on the board. Do you think that that could be an advantage come Monday, as long as Chris Godwin and all these guys stay healthy? But Godwin has started to kind of come into his own again. He was that yak guy that you could rely on on those underneath throws um, to pick up those extra yards. And he's such a gritty guy to go against defensively. So people are concerned about Curse. People are concerned about Wilson. I don't think that the Cowboys have seen the best of Chris Godwin. And last time they saw Chris Godwin, he had 105 receiving yards. Could he be a weapon on Monday? Yeah, I mean, you would hope so. I hope that all these guys are weapons if we could piece it together. But I remember watching that first game and everyone kind of thinking, oh, Chris Godwin's back, you know, mm -hmm. like he didn't even miss a beat. And I think that Tom Brady made a, a very serious point to focus on Chris Godwin. So you're hoping that, you know, if, if you're in a situation where one guy that I want to see step up and I think could be could be stepping up is Julio Jones. I'd like to see him. Really? Like, I like to see him in the playoffs. You know, it's it's one of those things where this could be his last hurrah. And, you know, I kind of feel like Tom Brady's going to let him eat a little bit and he won't be as covered. And, you know, it might be somebody that people don't think about. And he's well rested because he doesn't play much. So yes. I'm hoping he's having a big game. But you'd like to see Chris Godwin step up. But really, it's just I think that Tom Brady's going to figure out who's open and try to hit him as quick as he can. And if that's quick, Chris Godwin went into those underneath rant, or in those underneath routes, then, you know, I hope Chris Godwin eats and I hope he I hope he holds on to the ball. 
Oh my gosh, I know. Did you fault him for for those two, especially last week's? No, I mean, it, I think that I think that those things just kind of happen in football. But it's just one of those things where it, it's sometimes you see players where they never fumble the ball, and all of a sudden they have a couple, and then it just kind of keeps spiraling a little bit. I don't expect that to happen because it's not really something you ever really saw from him before. But you just hope it doesn't happen in the playoffs because then it kind of eats at him for a while. Oh my gosh, will it poor thing. I will say this after that punch out that he had that he had to deal with versus the Falcons, I did admire the fact that he went to the sideline and started getting advice from Julio Jones. Julio Jones showing him how to further protect the ball, but it was it was executed so well. Um, but I have to ask, a lot of fans thought that Julio Jones was cooked and they were so devastated by his first little, you know, hiccup injury that he had this season, they completely counted him out. And you're saying that he could have a big game. Um what is it like mentally to know that your body is kind of like wanting the rest, wanting to kind of do the opposite of the next gear that it has to hit for your team? Because I think that his pure athleticism and skill set keeps him in this, but he's been overcoming a lot of injuries. I mean, 90% of the time on this injury report, he's limited or has not participated. Yeah, I mean, that's something that made me retire. You know, I retired from soccer because of having injuries and, you know, it's just something that you deal with. But I don't really think I don't maybe I phrase that wrong. I don't really necessarily think Julio Jones is going to eat and have like this monster game, but for his sake and for his he career and for the reason for the reason that he came to Tampa, right? He came to Tampa to try and win a Super Bowl. He came here to win and it hasn't really worked out that way. He's been injured a lot. So I'm just hopeful that maybe, you know, these injuries, these things there's a lot of adrenaline that goes through your body and there's a lot of things that you can do to overcome these things during a game or when the when the playoffs really matter. So I'm hoping that he's able to, you know, whatever whatever legal substance that they use to get guys healthy, whatever, you know, adrenaline he needs through his body to be playing in a playoff game, I think that this could be a big moment for him, and especially towards the end of his career because he doesn't really have many of these left, if he has any. Yeah, that's true. I'd be intrigued to see what, what the moves for the offseason would be for him. I think that's one of the most heartbreaking parts of this season, at least for me. I think of the conversations that took place in training camp and then, you know, they were calling themselves this Madden team, piecing together all of these all-stars, making this all-star roster. And then you kind of get this wonky eight and nine season that the Bucks have gotten. Um, does that fire up the, the mentality to close this out 10 times harder than any other roster or team may even consider it? Because you've got a lot of guys who are probably on their last leg here, you know, Akeem Hicks. Kyle Rudolph, that's probably been the most heartbreaking situation for me is Kyle Rudolph. I was a fan of him in Minnesota. I thought that he didn't get enough credit and respect on his name, especially considering the fact that he has had to deal with so many different quarterbacks. And when he was able to strike up a little more chemistry and a little more consistency, I thought he was a dominant tight end. I thought he did his job very well. Um, you know, I'm glad they got him his 50th career touchdown last week, but it almost just felt like a pity incentive. I feel like they underestimated how much they could have used Kyle Rudolph. But what's what's that thought process you think for these guys who, you know, thought they were coming here to have a better season, uh, get in that Super Bowl conversation? And now, you know, the looks of them moving past Monday are very tough. I think they just come to playoffs, everything you kind of have to forget about everything that's going on in the regular season. And you just kind of find that that flip of a switch, right? Because in the playoffs, there's there's no tomorrow. So you're kind of playing it. And I don't expect this guy. You have Tom Brady at quarterback. You have some veteran guys who have won a Super Bowl. You have guys that know what it takes. I don't see that locker room being a locker room that's going to have that mentality of, oh, you know, if it ends tomorrow, it ends tomorrow. And 
you know, it is what it is. It was a, it was, it was an up and down year. It is what it is, you know, whatever. When you have Tom Brady at his age and you don't know how much longer he's going to play, you don't know how much longer you're going to have a realistic shot at winning the Super Bowl. I think that there's a flip that get that gets switched, whether or not it's enough to overcome, you know, the flaws that they have just as a team in general, that, that you can win on just pure adrenaline and flipping some type of switch that we'll find out. But like, I fully expect to see them come out fired up in a way that we haven't seen all year because at times this year, it looks like they've gone through the motions mm-hmm. and I don't expect to see that in the playoffs just because it is such a veteran group. And, you know, it's like I said, you only have a short winner to win Super Bowls and Tom Brady being your quarterback is probably one of the best windows that you're possibly going to get. Definitely one of the best windows. Let's switch over to defense for a second. So Devin White registers two sacks in week one. Anthony Nelson collects a sack. Vita Vea collects a sack. Winfield Jr. gets an interception. Um, One of the better defensive performances that we've seen out of this defense, at least to say that they played all four quarters, um, and they've kind of struggled with turnover since then. Seems like they started to find a little bit more momentum, but is this a defense that we can trust to come in and be equally as commanding as they were week one? I think so, but I'll flip it back and say I think that it's up to the offense if they cannot just keep doing three and outs and three and outs and three and outs. So, you know, for me, I always think that the defense starts off this Atlanta game. This Atlanta game is kind of an outlier, at least for me. Yeah. But I always think the defense starts off pretty strong. And then I think that the game just kind of wears them down because they're on the field so much. So, you know, I'm hoping that we can have something similar to the first to the first game, but I mean, the defense has changed. I think at one point in the season, I tweeted out, like, when are we going to have the conversation of this Bucks defense being the best Bucks defense in history? And then things kind of went south from there. So. <laughs> okay, so you're not tweeting that before Monday is what we've got. No, no. I'm, gonna, I'm a very Bucks emotional tweeter. So, like, my timeline is very, very much in line with the season. <laughs> If anyone wants to know what it feels like to be a Bucks fan, head over to Jeff's Twitter. Um, no, I'm actually very much the same way. I'm sure that like previous companies I've worked with have been like, come on, you're supposed to be unbiased. But I'm like, this is difficult for me. I grew up in Tampa. I've watched this team forever, uh, at least since 2002, if I'm being honest. And yeah, it's been a lot. You can you come to Tampa, they win a Super Bowl, then all of a sudden the team goes all over the place. So I understand that well, and my emotions translate through my tweets also um but it's I'm therapy gonna, it's therapy really that, it that is. you gotta it's do therapy. it somewhere because sometimes when you get a response back from friends it's not it's not the response that you want it's not as exciting and especially for me my friends they expect me to teach them everything so when i have to vent they're just like oh i didn't know that and i'm like god that's not what i needed right now like say something back get upset <laughs> that's why you just open that's why you just open it up to public criticism and let it rip let it rip because oh boy do people love to tell me how uh how much they hate some of my tweets and i'm like you love it you actually love it <laughs> i keep it simple or completely erratic on twitter and we all enjoy this um speaking of erratic though you did mention the fact that a lot of what happens with defense comes down to what happens with offense but there's a player on defense that i'm gonna make a bold enough statement to say i think is being slightly overworked um anton winfield jr he's so versatile i love watching this kid play the fact that he loves football is so is so apparent in everything that he does. But the minute that a Logan Ryan is out or goes down or anybody in that secondary, because he can commandeer the backfield or play up in the box, I feel like he's got too many expectations on him because of his versatility. And if he doesn't have a solidified role and he's spread too thin versus this Cowboys team, 
I think it could be problematic. And I think that's kind of some of the issues we've seen on this defense, not saying that Winfield blows coverage, but it's just a lot of expectation on him uh, as a whole. Well, when you're asked, it's kind of the situation, right? He's asked to do everybody else's job. So when he's asked to do his own job, it suffers a little bit because he's too busy covering for other people. But I agree with you. Hopefully they could figure out a way to give him a little bit more cover because he's one of the best players in the league when he's, when he's not tasked to do, you know, more than his job. And I think that, you know, for me, you see him making way too many tackles because if he's making tackles, then things aren't really going too well up front or, you know, in the linebacker position. So hopefully he's not overworked and he's able to kind of play his role because when he does it, like you said, he's one of the best in football. How scary would it be if Vitavea can't go on Monday? Yeah, I mean, that'll be, that'll be something. I really think, though, I really think that some of these injuries and some of these guys that they're going to put on the jersey and they're going to give it a go. And, you know, we're going to find out really quick how injured they are, how hurt they are. And, you know, that's just something that you see when you get into the playoffs. Like, if they can go at all and if they can contribute, they can, you know, wrap up enough tape on their bodies to make it feel like a cast and they can keep playing, then they're going to do that because it's the playoffs. So I'm hoping that you're going to see that out of a lot of guys that keep popping up on the injury report. Yeah, that's so true. Um, scariest guy on the Cowboys that this Bucks defense is going to have to look out for if we had to pick one. Mm, I actually think Pollard. You thought you brought it up earlier because yeah. he's, just such a, he's just such a change of he's just such a change of pace that you know I you get him you get him out of the backfield with some open space we're going to be in a lot of trouble and. You know, if you have if you have Zeke kind of breaking him down and running those hard runs and then one pops up and he can hit the hole, then, you know, he was on my fantasy team. So I love him for that. But (laughs) but, you know, it's not to talk fantasy because no one cares about people's fantasy teams. But, you know, that was the reason I was watching him. And he is a change of pace back and he he makes a big difference in that offense once they're able to get him rolling. Yeah. Well, best bets over week. I think it was like week seven through week 12 was C.D. Lamb and. For some reason, I'm not completely terrified of CeeDee Lamb. They were able to contain these guys' major players in week one, and I feel like health and some time throughout the season will benefit the Bucs. You mentioned the digression of the Cowboys, but I think that there are some things that the Bucs learned about themselves through these last couple of weeks, and if they can at least pull off uh, anything close to what they did in Munich, I really feel like this, this game could be in their hands here. But the biggest thing that a lot of fans are wondering our producer already got to it is could we see the return of the grave diggers? This isn't how this has not been the biggest turnover team interceptions have been few and far between. I almost fell out of my seat when I realized that Sean Murphy bunting could still have an interception, nothing against him as a human love the human haven't loved the player the past season and a half. Um, your thoughts on a re- revival a resurrection of the grave diggers. What's the correct term there, James resurrection. Well, something has to give, right? Either Dak's going to turn the ball over or he's not. So one of them has to give. I mean, Dak, Dak's prone to turn the ball over. So you're either going to see the defense making plays and the return of the grave diggers, or you're going to see Dak, you know, figuring it out, which hopefully it's it's the, you know, return of the Bucks defense making plays. But if there's, gonna, if there's a quarterback to be going against right now where you want to start getting turnovers, they're going against the right guy. So, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. I won't rule it out, that's for sure. I won't rule it out. No, I definitely won't rule it out. Uh, We talked extensively about Tom Brady. Um, What I love to see is the fact that regardless of what people have seen this season, they do still trust Tom Brady and his ability to pull his team through. Um, James, I like resurrection. My biggest question is, what would you say would be 
Bree's best performance this season, or at least the the game that made you realize, okay, it's Brady. He can still lead this team. He can still play this game. Because I feel like he's gotten a lot of backlash and people either doubting or heavily still supporting him. Um, I mean, I would think that the Rams comeback was the first one where it was kind of like, okay, like he could still, he still has that magic. He still has that juice. I was at the Saints game where he had to score two touchdowns. You know what I mean? With the holding penalty and they had to score two touchdowns. And that was kind of a moment of, wow, like he still got it. But really like up until this Carolina game, it, it really wasn't until this Carolina game where you're like, okay, he could really, he could still really sling the ball. And it's not just a fourth quarter, you know, hurry up offense, defense is playing a little bit soft. But it was one of those things where like, oh, wow, like he's putting this ball 50 yards on a dime and dropping it in there. Yep. And if you, give, if you give him a little bit of time, he could still sling the ball. So I think that it really took the whole season to be like, okay, yeah, he still got it. But of course, like seeing the fourth quarter comebacks and things like that are things that just give you those Tom Brady, you know, the hope, the hope that Tom Brady can pull your team through anything, which I think that everybody likes to, likes to feel those ways. I know we all just need a little bit of hope at the end of this. Um, I felt like he got a lot of harsh criticism, but I think a lot of it played into the play calling situation. Fans have been frustrated with the play calling situation, calling for the jobs of uh, Coach Bowles and Coach Leftwich. Not something that we'll get into here, but um, we saw Brady actually wave off Leftwich during the Panthers game to make some calls, and they they played in in the team's favor. Uh, but then you see Leftwich and Brady on the sidelines, and the chemistry and everything looks really good. How complicated can that coach and player relationship be? Because I've said it here on Jolly Rogers and touchdowns, the perspective and the vision that an athlete has on the field is different than the perspective that a coach has from a sideline. And you have a split second to make those, to make that communication effective and um, to make that decision. How much credit do you give Tom Brady and Leftwich for their role of trying to work together or how complicated do you think it's really been? I mean, I think that it, it's a little bit of both, to be completely honest, because if you're talking about a coach seeing something a certain way, but then a player sees it, sees it a different way on the field, then, of course, there's a situation where they could butt heads, they could disagree. And if something, if the player waves the coach off and it goes wrong, then, you know, it's a little bit of a setback. And it still is the same thing, vice versa. If a coach waves a player off and the coach was wrong, then, you know, it kind of, you kind of see Tom Brady throwing the tablet and things like that. But I think that, you know, for me to speak on what a coach, coach's relationship with Tom Brady is like, I think that that's completely different from if you're talking about a conversation with a rookie or a guy that, you know, is kind of overstepping what he should be doing and his role in the field as the quarterback. And if he should just be listening to the coach and doing exactly what the coach says. But I think you get Tom Brady, he kind of has that leeway. And I think that that working relationship, you know, in the past, it's certainly worked for the Bucks this season's obviously a little bit different, but you know, if, if, if it's me and I'm just speaking as a fan, I would always favor Tom Brady calling whatever he wants to call because I trust him seeing things on the field more than I would trust just about anything else in football. <laughs> yeah, that was at least my perspective on him. Sure. Fans all would agree as well. Um, you got to trust the guy who's been able to do the absolute most in this league. Uh, one other big question that I did have, though, is that we do always love to talk or at least have the human angle here on Jolly Rogers and touchdowns. So what's something that fans don't realize um, or should give more credit to when it comes to athletes in their headspace heading into big games like this? Uh, everybody has such a high opinion. Everybody knows best, but nobody will ever know what it's like to be, you know, suited up going into a pressured moment unless they've done it themselves. 
just that just that like the the mentality within the group you know having that group mentality and having the belief within the group can carry you very far because all of these all of these guys are talented right you wouldn't be in the nfl you wouldn't be in a professional locker room if you aren't talented but if the group you know is able to block out there's a lot of outside noise with the bucks right now but if the group is strong enough to be able to block out that outside noise and then they have that belief that they're going to be able to win this game and that they all actually are behind that and they're all working you know kind of with that same mentality that it can carry you pretty far because all it takes is one person or two person two people to not really be on the same wavelength as everybody else and not be on the same page and it's just those one or two people that can bring everything down but if you're all able if if i don't i don't really know about todd bowles and his ability to unite the group and yeah. really kind of get them moving as a cohesive unit i think that's been one of the questions of the year mm-hmm. but if they are on that same page and they are kind of in that same mentality then this team is scary whether yeah. they are or not that we'll find out <laughs> Yeah, actually, I agree with that a lot because I feel like the coaching changes is what played immensely into this team being able to shake off certain games or circumstances. Situational football has changed, I think, a lot for this team, and I think it starts with coaching. Um, The accountability aspect was huge from Bruce Arians. You know, he would rip a guy a new one, pat him on the back, and then lift him up seconds before he had to get back on the field. And then you have more of a lax approach when it comes to Coach Bowles. Not saying it's not direct. It's just definitely different. And when you have so many veterans, I feel like that plays um, – it's translated differently. It comes off differently. And I think that that's been a huge issue for this team. Not in a negative way, but a, a big difference that nobody was anticipating heading into a season with one of the most talented rosters yet again and, and somewhat of a disappointing result. We won't know until Monday. Bold predictions – for Monday. This is the worst question anyone has asked me all week because I have learned I am bipolar when it comes to this team. I have confidence in them between the hours of 8 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then after that, I am just like completely Wednesday Adams. No hope. So you want my bold prediction? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my bold prediction will just be that they win because I think that I don't think that they're I don't think that they're expected to win. I would think that Bold prediction would be that they score more than 27 points. More than 27? That's, that's my bold prediction. I did ask for bold. That is bold. That is very so bold. bold. Very like, bold. 30 points versus the Panthers. This is this is their time. This is their their game. I don't believe it. I wouldn't put I wouldn't put money on it, but it's a bold prediction. <laughs> what would you put money on? I'm the most nervous Nelly when it comes to betting, and then I feel I'll mentally work myself up about something write it down or like tweet it, put it out there, not bet on it myself because I got too scared. And then it plays out and I'm like, this is annoying. If I could just stop doing this right here, then I could have at least had gas money and grocery money this week. But I was too scared to just follow through with the things that I, that I announced to the world. So for instance, I have Chris Godwin going off on Monday. I have Rashad White going off on Monday and I do have Tom Brady for over one and a half passing touchdowns, which was like the boldest statement I could make. I'd have to look at it, but whatever Julio Jones yards are at, I would just take the over. Oh my gosh. I love that you're double doubling and tripling down on Julio Jones. I just think he's a vet. He's a vet who came here to win a Super Bowl. He probably won't even suit up. He'll probably be a last minute call. Yeah, by the time this comes out, he'll he will, he will be he'll be in uh, street clothes. But he came here to win a suit he came here to win a Super Bowl and this is just a big moment. I don't know. I just think I just think that 
I don't know. I have faith in the vet. I just think he's gonna. I just think he's gonna. Whatever the yards are set at, they're probably only set at like twenty something. I think he's gonna go over. I wouldn't doubt it. I think he's like between twenty and thirty. My bold prediction is that Daddy Yankee is actually here for Julio Jones, and Julio Jones and him have a moment that sets Julio Jones to just go off on Monday. And then we circle back to this episode and realize that Jeff had the insight all along while we all pretended why we had no clue why Daddy Yankee is showing up to the big bucks facility. Um, my bold prediction. See, that's, I think that's where the fan in me just kind of overtakes the person who sits around reading about this team all day. I want to say that they're going to win it. I, I think that what they pulled off week one, they have, they can have a few more tricks up their sleeve. And I don't think that the, Cowboys have any tricks up their sleeves. One question I do have to ask because I'm so curious about is fourth down management for this team. You've seen some of the teams that beat them, the Panthers, the Browns uh, specifically, those two losses that they had earlier. These guys were actually going for it on fourth down, making the defense look stupid for one, but they were able to convert at least like three, I think out of four fourth down opportunities. Then you get over to the Bucks, you check out those statistics and it's like zero for one on fourth down. They never go for fourth down. They punt on chances that make it seem like they have no faith in this team. How do fans have faith in a situation where it seems like the coaching staff has zero faith? Or when they do go do something crazy, it seems like the worst time crazy decision you oh could possibly God. think of. <laughs> Some it's, of the things have been at the god awful worst moments. Is it was it was there one where uh, Leonard had to throw a pass or something? The, the, the timing, the timing of their decisions of when to get risky or like when they decide, like, oh yeah, now is the time that I'm gonna do completely opposite of what I've been doing the entire season. It's just, as a fan, it's like the most mind, it, you just can't figure it out because there's times like, like when they do go for it on fourth down, it almost seems like in a situation where they have no offensive rhythm and they're, yeah. they're, 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 they're not feeling it. It's just like, oh, wow, this is a situation where we can go for it on fourth down. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's so, it's so, so frustrating. But I think that, I think that in football, like taking risks, it's all about momentum. It's all about okay, cool, like we're, we're beating them off the line right now. The defense looks tired. We're going to go. Right. But it seems like with every decision that is made that is risky, it's like, hmm, let me like really sit here and think about this for a long time so that I can let every other, every other person on the field get ready for us to do something. Yeah. But, but like when, it, when it's against the Bucks, it's guys running up to the line, snapping the ball, and they're like, oh, they're tired. They're on their heroes. We're going to go for it. It's a split-second decision. But the indecisiveness of the coaching on when to go for it, when to be risky, it just doesn't make sense. But no. maybe, maybe <laughs> in the playoffs they figure it out, right? You gotta stay optimistic come the playoffs. That was but the to answer your question. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, it's true though because it would be in some of the least momentous moments, and it feels like it's in slow motion. I mean, the there's been two trick plays they've tried to throw this year, and I'm like, you could have done that in the first quarter. You could have done that after. Just any other time, any other time would have made more sense to me than that. And I feel like it's almost, this is so dramatic of me, but it's almost like sabotage. Like it's like the play that they never wanted to run, but players keep asking to run it. It's like a kid who's like, can I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? And you know the moment to tell them yes, because you know, they're going to absolutely fail. And you could tell them, this is why I said no. I feel like the coaching staff is just playing with the emotions of these players sometimes with these awful trick play calls at the wrong time. It just doesn't make sense. It, it's you're trying to figure it out, and it just you can't make you can't make sense of it. 
But that's the thing about this Bucks season. That's like oddly the thing that's giving me a little bit of hope is that you can't make sense of anything that's happened this season because there's so many things you're like, why? I don't even, I don't even, I can't even pretend to guess why we did these things or like why the team looks like this. But maybe that's going to swing in our favor because nobody would predict the Bucks to go on a run right now because they're not playing. They haven't looked like a juggernaut. They haven't looked like a team that can make a run. But the NFC is a little bit weak. And maybe the unpredictability just carries us through to a Super Bowl. Who knows? <laughs> Actually, that's a really good way to put it. And then here I go, ruining ruining everything with a lightning reference. It's so bad, it's good. Like the reverse jerseys. Uh, I love any moment that I get to talk about them. But yeah, I guess that would make sense. It's been so bad, it's good. And I will say that regardless, I love the, the tone on Twitter when things are going well for the Bucks, And fans are like, yeah, knew it all along. That's my boy. And then it starts going bad. <laughs> you just see the emotions flip on its head on Twitter. So we are all in this together, Bucks fans. I promise you, between Jeff and I, at least we were fans of the team as well as uh, realists at times. I can be harsh with these guys when I want to be. But I decided that I want to be hopeful. I want to stay bold with this. I want to see these guys um, silence in the haters. And I want to see these vets stay in it for at least – another week or so, which takes us over to some walking the plank. Now, you and I chatted about this briefly beforehand. Walk the plank is any person, situation, scenario, headline revolving around the Bucks that needs to kick rocks, jump off the ship. Uh, you can walk them off the ship. Things get a little a little weird with walk the plank. Um, front, office, front office has had to walk. Coaches have had to walk. Fans have had to walk. Sorry, fans. And um, I have personally had to walk the plank for having my Kyle Trask hate. I wouldn't call it hate. I think that's so aggressive. I'm just not on the the Kyle Trask train. Is there anything from this entire season or recently or heading into playoffs that you think is just like, hey, don't bring that negative-ish into our house. Walk the plank. Tampa fans that are going to sell their tickets to the Dallas Cowboys fans. <laughs> walk the plank. Because I've been to these games before, and there's nothing worse than being in a playoff game or in a big game and just seeing the stadium packed with the opposing team's fans. So if you're going to do that, get out of here. I feel like you had that in your pocket since we said, since we mentioned walk the plank, but that's a great one. That is my worst nightmare it's is being in a where you see even amount of jerseys. Like, no, all of you guys didn't book this flight and plan this trip that far in advance to be here. And then it's because you find out all the season ticket holders were like, hey, here you go. Take my seat. Especially Cowboys fans. Especially Cowboys Ooh. fans. No. I just, you just can't. No. Please don't. That's a walk little too plank. rowdy. Walk the plank. Dang, that's a good one. I don't know how I follow up that walk the plank. Actually, I do know. The coaching staff, I'm going to do a, a preemptive walk the plank. All of them? Dang. All of them? Yeah. You know, how do you not fault one without faulting the other? Um. No, we I'm need just, them for the playoffs. You can't send them on a plank during the playoffs. That's we need, true. We need coaches. I'm well. All right. All right. So we'll do like a – they'll have to walk the plank if we can make it okay. a situation. They have to walk the plank if they go into this game with no reasonable game plan for Rashad White, K-Dot, and Co'Keefe. I think if you're going to use a trick play, get Co'Keefe involved. He's done some great things. I thought he would do more – um, <laughs> Jeff saves the coaches. He did. He changed my mind slightly. Um, use the players that you saw could be useful at the right downs at the right times. 
and make the most out of that first offensive drive. So it's it's going to come down to game planning. That's the problem. This team, some not this team, these coaches look like they walk into certain games with no plan when it feels like it's as simple as, you know, containing this guy, utilizing this guy. Uh, Mike Evans against the secondary. Hello, Chris Godwin healthy. Hello, Julio Jones. If they go into this game, Jeff, and they throw a bunch of deep passes to Julio Jones, I will be beside myself because – that does become predictable. And at that rate, I think it just kind of takes momentum away from Julio Jones and what he can do. That needs to be more of an element of surprise. Oh my gosh, Brady Jones, look at that deep pass. Not here we go again kind of thing. So the coaching staff, please don't make me make you walk the plank. Come Tuesday, that would be devastating for me, slightly, depending on the results of the game. Um, Nothing too that's hard. Bad. That's bad for my over-under on yards. So if they want to throw it to Julio Jones deep on every play and he catches one, then that's okay. Then that's okay if it's one catch. I'm going to be – there's so many notes that I have to now, like, pay attention to for this game after this conversation, but definitely appreciate it. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Bucks fans, do you guys know where to find us? On Twitter as well as Instagram, it's at Jolly Rogers TDS. And you're going to want to make sure that you follow us and download that Odyssey app. Search Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. Hit that auto download button because not only do we have Jeff, but we do have John Ledger coming up. So we've got so much great content and information revolving around your favorite team. And yes, guys, whether you've been on this emotional roller coaster and journey all season long, they are still your favorite team as long as Tom Brady's in that pocket. I don't care what anybody says. So follow us at Jolly Rogers TDS on Twitter and Instagram. Keep up to date with all content. Download that Odyssey app. Stream us on any of your favorite streaming platforms. Thank you so much for joining Jeff and I here at Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns, and we'll catch you next time.